And we hope you're having a blessed Sunday. It is March the 14th, and we're going to celebrate uh, continuing the story of Noah. And we're, we, we'll continue this over the next couple of weeks as well. Uh, but just sit back, relax, and we're continuing where we were last week a little bit. But hope you're having a blessed Sunday. So let me start this way this morning. Have you ever looked at your old high school yearbook? I mean, really looked at it. People sign their names over the pictures. They usually write what they want to accomplish in life. Um, things like, I hope to make my first million by the age of 30. I plan to rob a bank and escape to Paradise Island. <laughs> I'll be the next heavyweight champion of the world. Maybe I'll be the next Billy Graham. You know, the... the the superlatives, most likely to succeed, all these things. You ever take a real close look at your high school yearbook? Well, there's a painful truth. Few of our dreams and, and schemes and, and wants are successful. And, You know, you got to think about this idea. You've been locked into this idea, this dream, this thing that you wanted for so long. And then you find yourself in a situation where God has now shut you in. And it seems like failure. Now, Genesis chapter 7, verse 6. I want us to turn there this morning, Genesis 7, verse 6. Again, we're, we're looking at this, we're thinking about this, and I want you to hear these words. Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters came on the earth. Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters came on the earth. Now, if we look at this and we continue this and we go down into this, it says, verse 11, that the rain started falling. But we're told that all of these things happened and rains came. Now, as we look at this, 600 years, he was alive for 600 years. It says Noah, his sons and wife and wife's sons entered the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Pairs of clean and unclean animals, birds of all creatures, move along the ground. Male, female came to Noah, entered the ark and God, as God had commanded Noah. And after the seven days, the floodwaters came on the earth. And and it goes down in through all of this. And then you get to verse 16. And this is the verse that I really want us to hear. It says, The animals going in were male and female of every living thing, as God had commanded Noah. Then the Lord shut him in. The Lord shut him in. Now, first things first, we have Noah. We have Noah's condition. He had nowhere to go. He was hemmed in. He literally had nowhere to go. He was confined to the ark and he would be for over a year. Have you ever been in a place 
where you felt confined somewhere for over a year? Folks, one year ago today, we saw the world start shutting down because of a virus. And here we are a a year into this. We feel like we've been shut in, hemmed in, closed in. How many of us are confined maybe to a hospital bed? Laying there hour after hour, day after day. Stuck in a dead-end job. No promotion in sight, no skills to get a better job. Just settling into the low-paying, boring routine. Or no job at all. Living in poverty. Too poor to take a vacation. Can't afford gas. Bills piling up. Or maybe placed in a tiny, no-growth ministry. Regular members cease being regular. Baptistry sits empty. Finances tough. They're touch and go. But this is where God's placed you. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that necessarily about here, about this church. But I want you to understand Noah understood and so does God. Have you ever heard the song by Elvis called Nothingville? Nothingville, only just a two-bit town where nothing's real. They treat me like a country clown. Nothingville, I ain't going to keep hanging around. The doors keep slamming in my face. People keep putting me in my place. It's a rat race at a snail's pace. Nothingville. Nothingville. I think Noah understood that, right? Noah felt confined. He had nowhere to go, and Noah had nothing to do. Noah didn't have to steer the ark. There was nobody to lead to Christ in that ark. Uh, Nothing new or exciting, just the same boring, smelly routine of feeding the animals and listening to the pouring rain. And if we're honest, often life turns into a boring routine. Life has become predictable. We do the same thing day after day after day. We long for something different. After a long, dry sermon, uh, I heard a story about a minister who once approached the church board after the close of the service. He said he wished to meet with them. The first man to turn up was a total stranger. He said, you must have misunderstood my announcement. This is a meeting of the board. I know, said the man, but if there is anyone here more bored than I am, I sure would like to meet him. I doubt that many of our lives are in harmony with our yearbook predictions, but we, we all know days that seem to go nowhere and nothing all that important to do. Winston Churchill wrote, The main qualification for political office is the ability to foretell what is going to happen tomorrow, next week, next month, and next year, and then have the ability afterward to explain why it didn't. But here we are, we're we're looking at this story of Noah. But notice the commotion that takes place. If we go over to chapter 8, verse 7. Says, starting in verse 6, it says, After 40 days, Noah opened the window he had made on the ark and sent out a raven 
and it kept flying back and forth until the water had dried up from the earth. Then he sent out a dove. Now who told him to send out these birds? No one. It doesn't say he was told to send a bird out. I mean... We see that he's been in an ark. The water flooded the earth for 150 days. But when we are hemmed in, we try to get on him. Like Abraham and Sarah who thought Hagar might help them get out of this uh, unproductive situation. But God had a plan. Why did Noah send the, the birds out? He wanted to see if there was land, to see if the water had gone down. Why? Because he wanted to get out of the ark. How many of us want to get out of that place we're stuck in? Maybe it's a marriage or a ministry, a job, unpleasant circumstances. But what good did it do Noah to send out those birds? Well, it accomplished absolutely nothing. The truth is God had shut the door of the ark and God would open the door in his time and in good time. But how much wasted commotion do we involve in worthless worrying, anxious activities, foolish fears? We need to accept where God has placed us and learn to wait on his timetable. Ultimately, we're waiting to get out of this confined world and enter into this eternity. Romans eight nineteen says, for the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. Romans 8.23 then further goes and says, Not only this, but we also ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. But look over in the book of James, chapter 5, verse 8. James reminds us of something. He says, You too be patient. Strengthen your hearts for the coming of the Lord is near. Have you ever watched a speedboat race? And you see the accidents where the, the boat's just near top speeds and then the front just flips up and it's absolutely crazy. But you see this thing get propelled up in the air. Maybe throws them from the boat. And, and you know, I've seen somewhere they went underwater forever and i heard one describe it saying that once he got underwater he really had no idea where he was but he had to remain calm and wait for buoyancy to pull him up for um, his life vest to begin to pull him to the surface once he discovered which way was up he could swim for the surface but he had to wait to see which way he was going to move and sometimes we find ourselves in that situation, not knowing which way is up. And sometimes when it happens, all this commotion in the world, it's not going to help. We need to wait on the timing of God. And I am thankful for his timing. But one day he's going to tug us up to meet him. And that day won't come any sooner if we keep trying certain things or try to make things happen or if we worry and fret and make plans. 
the, the thing God needs from us is our cooperation. So what do we do when we are confined to an ark like Noah? Well, we can rejoice. Rejoice in what? Well, God's sovereignty, his love, his wisdom, his goodness, all the things that we've been talking about. You know, we're born like Thomas. We doubt. We doubt his goodness. But we need to rejoice in his goodness, even in the most impoverished of times, even in in the deepest poverties. We need to recognize his goodness. Our calling is to enjoy God's wise, his, his loving, his good plan. But we too often like to reason with God. Maybe saying things like, if God is so good, then how come he has let me be without a job? He's let my child go astray. How come he let this death come when we prayed for something different? How come my health is suffering? We ask those questions day in and day out. The fruit of our sinful nature is to doubt the goodness of God. And if we let the flesh reign, we will become convinced that we must make up for God's deficiency in our lives by taking things into our own hands. How many times have you heard the words, only you are responsible for you? You know, sin may be thought of as our effort to supplement what we think are the limits of God's goodness. But when we go through those sinful natures and we commit the things that we do, trying to fulfill a life that doesn't need to be fulfilled by us, we're, we're really just trusting in ourselves instead of God. Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19 says, Though the fig tree should not blossom and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olives should fail and the produce or the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will exalt in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength and he has made my feet like hinds feet and he makes me walk on my high places we need to rejoice but not only do we need to rejoice we need to relax we don't need to feel guilty because we're not doing great things for God the only one who is really doing great things is God himself this the flesh has this wonderful life mentality I mean remember it's a wonderful life You know, Jimmy Stewart would see what life would be like if he'd never been born. The entire town he lived in as a result is wicked and sinful and depraved. That's as beautiful as we think that story is, as fun as that is to watch around the Christmas season. Just hear me. It's nonsense. Only God restrains sin and produces righteousness. Only God There is no other. We need to focus on being and not so much doing. Noah wasn't doing much in that ark, but he was faithful. He was a faithful man of God. 
So in that arc, over that time, he was growing, he was maturing, he was learning things about God. Maybe things that are rarely seen at the time. We need to relax in a great God who is always working. Charles Swindoll said a relaxed, easygoing Christian is miles more attractive and effective than the rigid, uptight brother who squeaks when he walks and whines when he talks. But if you if you know anything about music and you can read music, there's these little rests and, and the reality, there's no music in a rest. But it makes the music. What do I mean by that? Our whole life is going to be the music. But there's going to be moments where it needs to break and rest. And we foolishly think that when we get to the rest, that the story is over, the song is done. But it's not. It's not done because we don't have to allow that to take hold of us. God sends a time of forced leisure, sickness, disappointed plans, frustrated efforts, and he makes a sudden pause in the choral hymn of our lives. And we lament that our voices must be silent and our part missing in the music. But is that really what's going on? How does a musician read a rest? It is a beat in the music. It may be a silent beat, but it is a beat. It is holding a space where, because there's a time, there's a rhythm to the song. If that rest weren't there, you rush into the next notes. You miss the impact of the song. And, if you ever watch like an orchestra and you see the conductor and he's there, you know, directing, he hits that beat even on the rest. True, steady, just as like nothing was missed and moving right on in to the next. And that's not without design. God writes the music of our lives and it's ours to learn the tune. We do not need to be dismayed. We do not need to be discouraged by the rests that God has placed. It's something for us to really embrace. You don't omit it. You don't stumble over it. You don't play a note just because you feel a note needs to belong. You don't destroy the melody by changing it. But think about this. There there may not be music in the rest, but the rest is still making music. We have to realize the opportunity that we have. We need to rejoice. We need to relax. And we need to realize. Realize the golden opportunity to do what? To know God. To spend time with him in that rest. Noah had this golden opportunity to know God intensely in that ark. He was given time. Moses was given 40 years, virtually doing nothing but getting to know God. Paul was confined to 
Arabia with one goal, to get to know the Jesus that he had come to know. You know, think I, I love nature shows and I, I love National Geographic stuff. And I, I remember seeing something about, what was it, the Alaskan bull moose? It said something along the lines of that the male battles for dominance take the, they take place during the fall. They go brutally head to head. The heftiest moose with the largest and strongest antlers will win the fight. The battle fought in the fall is really won during the summer, the time when he eats and rests, continually building up for it. The one that consumes the best diet, grows the antlers, gains the weight. He's the one that wins in the fall. Those that are inadequately eating, they grow less of an antler. They don't become as strong and they lose in the fall. Maybe this is your spiritual summer. Maybe that rest, this rest that you are facing, it is your time. Time to prepare you for an upcoming battle. Time to prepare you for something great. Don't miss it. We rejoice, we relax, we realize and we relinquish. We relinquish our sinful nature, our carnal dreams. And and really those carnal dreams are nightmares. Now if I were to go to James 4, chapter 4, verse 7. James 4, verse 7 basically tells us to turn in our resignation. Now, maybe not in those terms, but James 4, 7 There's something for us there. It says this. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. When we think about burdens, we think about the things that trouble us. Whatever those things may be, whether they're spiritual or or worldly. But the first thing we think about is ourselves. The burden that we carry in this life is self. The most difficult thing we have that we try to manage is self. By laying aside the burdens, we lay aside self. We deny ourselves. We got to get rid of us first. We must relinquish our carnal desires. And then we must remain in communication with the others in the ark. Noah was not the only one in the ark. He had a family with him. There were eight. Eight people were in the ark, but that is enough to be a congregation. You know, we, we, we're a small church. That's plain and easy to see. But we are still a church family. We still need one another. In fact, we need to support one another because we are a small church. Jim Sabala said, I've learned as a pastor that when a believer starts attending church less frequently or sporadically, it is always a sign of spiritual trouble. I've heard all the rationalizations as well. I'm too busy right now or I can worship God at home in my kitchen or something similar. But to be a healthy part of the body always implies two things. 
a desire to stay connected, and the humility to admit our need for other believers. Attending church regularly is not a matter of legalism, but spiritual logic, especially as we see the day approaching. I find that very helpful for us today. I mean, maybe you can identify with Noah. Maybe you are shut up to a seeming failure. You've been shut into something. We've all been shut in in some ways over this last year. Maybe your plans as a child mocking you right now. I don't know. But you feel like you've failed. Believe me, I'm talking from experience. I'm more talking to myself than anybody. But here's a reminder. We can hang in there. Hang in there. Keep on keeping on. Just keep moving. As, as Dory says, just keep swimming. Maybe you're just dissatisfied with you. Maybe you're frustrated with yourself. You're overwhelmed with that battle that we talked about just a few minutes ago. The battle of self. You you don't discern any talent that you may have. You you feel you have no special abilities. You're just mediocre, right? You're you're stuck in that. Maybe you're shut in to that mentality of ah, good enough. You feel like you don't do anything worthwhile. You feel like you do nothing noteworthy. Except for maybe the fact that you're the same as everybody around you, right? But if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have a great life. We need to start there. If you believe in Christ, then you have a great life. Look, John the Baptist never performed a single miracle. But Jesus said, about John the Baptist, among those born of women, there is no one greater. John knew his place. What was his place? He was a voice. He was content being just a voice. We must be willing to be only a voice sometimes. Maybe we need to do the most every day of the insignificant tasks that we are doing. Because maybe that's what we're called to do. Because I promise you this, God sees. God knows the work you're doing. You might be doing more good than you even know. Look, as we close, I want to say this. And I want this statement to stick with you. There was one thing worse than being in the ark. And that was being outside of it. There was something worse than being in the ark. And that was being outside of it. If you feel shut in right now, if you feel like you're in an ark, if you feel like you're in a holding pattern in that rest, remember that rest is just part of the song. But there's something worse than being caught in it. It's being outside of it. 
If God has shut you in for the, for the moment, it means you're protected from the elements that are raging around you. It means that you are right where you are supposed to be. And then it could always be worse. You could be caught outside in the flood. A flood that will kill you. A flood that will overtake you. A flood that left no survivors but those in the ark who were protected and shut in. And although it might have been comfortable or uncomfortable, they were still protected. And they were in a better place. Folks, too often we think we've messed up. We think things aren't going our way. We've got this plan for our lives and it doesn't match what's happening. But we may just be in a holding pattern. We may just be shut into the ark until the floods pass by. Again, there's something worse than being shut into the ark. And it's being caught outside. Because you didn't heed the warning. You didn't see what was taking place. You didn't listen when God gave you the direction. So which are you today? Are you in that holding pattern? Are you content with where you are? Recognizing that I have determined to be content in all circumstances. Whether good or bad. Because I know that what I'm doing is what God wants me to do. Or are you trying to make the best of what you think is a terrible situation? When in reality, it's not a terrible situation at all. Don't get discouraged about where you might find yourself right now. Don't get discouraged if God has closed you up in the ark and he's giving you the opportunity today to see him move in such a mighty, mighty way. Trust him. And just think about the gospel message today. God closed you in. And eventually God will open the door. In his good time. Let's close in prayer. Father God, we thank you for closing us into that ark. But Lord, I pray that we would not become discontent with you. God, if it's not too late, if there be any who are outside the ark who need to get on, then I pray, Lord, that that door still be open to them. Lord, if there's any that need to make a decision today, I pray that you would work in their heart, that they would step up to the plate and recognize what's going on. Lord, we pray that you would just continue to guide us, continue to show us your glory, continue to lead us, Help us to see you move in such a mighty way. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. And we give you the glory today. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. And again, we want to thank you for tuning in for our services here on our uh, podcast page. Thank you for listening and hope you had a blessed time with us. You can get more information on Newland Christian Church at newlandchristianchurch.com or go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash newlandchristianchurch. 
And until next week, we hope you have a blessed week in the Lord.